0: I am fairly sure that this episode will upset a few people, because I fully intend on squashing some more of the imagined ideas we carry around in heathenry. In particular, I would like to discuss primitivism and how it relates to music. You to take an imaginary journey with me. Imagine for me the clothing of an ancient Viking or an ancient Angle or Saxon or Jute. Think of the clothing worn by men and the clothing worn by women. When you have that image in your mind, their shoes, their clothes, I want you to set them into a space in a scene of, say, a grand long haul. Like a party in this scene what do you hear what kind of music are they playing what are the sights and smells and once we have that image in our minds I'd like for us to switch it up a little bit I want you to change the scene and changing it this time to say a ritual setting they are going to go to a religious ritual. Does that change in setting also change the clothes that you have them wearing? But most importantly, what would you hear? What are the sounds of ritual? Does this scene change also the music that you would hear? Now, It's common that this change in scenery alters everything in the perception of people. Suddenly you end up with an entirely different feeling. A new color palette, for instance. It's tending to be darker and grittier, and the music jumps from potentially being somewhat reminiscent of something you might hear in a Renaissance fair to sounding something like shamanic drumming why, because I'll go ahead and spoil this thought for you, this isn't historical, it's imaginary, an image built for us from a strange confluence of fear, mystery, and most importantly, primitivism. The issue the issue that we have here is the deliberate primitivization that we see being applied backwards onto the ancient Germanic peoples. You listen to modern, quote-unquote, heathen music, and it's all drums and chanting, and it honestly has more in common with how people imagine, and notice I say imagine here, that they imagine the music of the indigenous peoples of the Americas listening to and having than it does anything to do with the ancient music of Scandinavia or England. Now, this discussion is going to need to get right into the heart of primitivism. And I need you to get into it before I get into the rest of this. You see, primitivism is an art word. It is a well-known style of art, an aesthetic even, that attempts to copy or mimic or even recreate quote, primitive art styles and thereby attempts to recreate and idealize the quote, primitive experience in some way. Now, notice I'm trying to be very important there in in saying primitive in quotations marks, because it's not exactly the right word for it, now is it? But In any case, the ideology and philosophy underpinning the movement, however, tends to at root believe that these, quote-unquote, primitive peoples are more noble than those in Western civilization or are in some way unspoiled. It is a form of idealization of the primitive world as opposed to the modern Western world. A dichotomy that really shouldn't exist, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Primitivism is a form of nostalgia for the perceived losses and perceived compromises that come from, well, modern civilization. Primitivism also tends to draw heavily from non-Western cultures. For instance, the peoples of Africa, some areas of Asia, and the South Pacific, and the indigenous peoples of the Americas. In other words, this movement borrows or appropriates even, and I realize that I am inserting that loaded buzzword here because honestly it fits, but we see this movement of primitivism appropriate from non-Western cultures that they perceive as being primitive. Now, the irony of this is that it highlights Western civilization as the highest and most modern. It is held as the least primitive. So, despite trying to escape, they are escaping by lowering the status of these other peoples, and then only allowing them to exist within the confines of their preconceived notions of what they should be, and how they should be. And yes, this means primitivism is right in there as another, more subtle in this case, facet of racism. Yes, primitivism is racist. This is racism. Racism isn't always about hating other people. In this case, it takes the form of the misguided attempt to ham-handedly mimic these cultures Because of their perceived primitiveness. And yes, it is this key facet to this which is important. They're mimicking them because they want to be like them, but they want to be like them because they imagine them as being more primitive. That's racist. You see this in different movements in Western civilization, a near fetishization of the perception of those the West regards as being primitive. Take, for instance, the prevalence of American society for generations now of, quote, playing Indian. The indigenous peoples of the Americas have long held a dual position in Western society, on the one hand, We see active discrimination against the living peoples today. But there are similar swings in the society that, on the other hand, fetishize anything regarding their ancestors. Often there is a complete disregard that those people are the same. They did not disappear. They're alive. Another way to think of this is to think of the powwow culture that exists in American society. The segment of Western society that visits these powwow events as a kind of vacation from the ordinary, these people want to soak up their imagined understanding of what their idea of, quote, Indianness is, and essentially expect to be put on a show that meets their expectation of, Indianness. Now, this is particularly hurtful to the Native American peoples today because while there is this uplifting of the idea, often the imagined idea of the wildness and primitiveness of their far flung ancestors, this idealization of the imagined, the people actually living today suffer. Continued discrimination despite this. And to make matters worse, they are judged in their relation to those ancestors by how well they're able to conform to the white Westerners' imagined idea of what Native Americans should be, in effect, by their capacity to conform to this imagined Western ideal of Indianness. If you would like to know more about this double-sided racism that the Native Americans face, I would suggest a book by Dr. Philip J. Deloria. He's a Harvard professor of history and a member of the Standing Rock Sioux tribe. The book is called Playing Indian, and he goes into great depth into this issue in regards to the Western approach to America's indigenous peoples, And how our society is both fascinated with the stereotypes and imagined ideals and ideas of Indianness. And simultaneously, at the same time, we continue to denigrate and discriminate against the peoples who are very much still alive. In fact, I have a lot of my series on imagined heathenry to thank to this book and to Dr. Deloria because... It was through the process of reading his book that I began to notice the striking similarities to issues within the heathen community. Heathenry is the exact same kind of escapism that the American public is doing when they are looking at the idea of the, quote, noble savage in the Native American cultures. The escapism from Western society in America, and indeed Europe too, because I experienced it firsthand in Germany and elsewhere in Europe, this escapism to Indianness is an offshoot of the idea of the noble savage. But this has happened within heathenry as well. We have the same cultural phenomena in heathenry. But rather than hearkening back to the noble savage in terms of the Native Americans, folks are hearkening back to the noble savage of the Vikings. But in many cases, the real history just isn't primitive enough. It's not dark or gritty or savage enough to fulfill the need to escape modernity into the world that they're imagining. And nowhere is this more plain than in the music. There is a great need, a great craving for heathen music. There is a desire to experience the quote "noble savage of the ancient Vikings or Germanic peoples, to soak up their primitive and wild and primal ways, and to let loose from society and be wild and free. but but and this is a big but here, this is. Imagined. It is not reality. This is imagined heathenry. This is not how it exists in the actual realm of history. Sure. <laughs> the work of Ward Runa and Forndum and Heilung and Dan and Oh boy, the list could go on and on. Well, the music sounds good. It sounds cool to our modern ears, but they're not what the music of the early Middle Ages, the time of the Vikings, and other Germanic peoples, they're not what it would have sounded like. It is as if the originators of this musical genre attempted to take their presupposed imagined ideas of what shaman music was supposed to sound like and regurgitate it within a Norse theme, but it would seem that along the way they forgot to ask what the music was actually supposed to sound like. It is as if we glossed over the fact that the music traditions still existed and they could be reconstructed or even revived. They didn't disappear. In fact, the music of these Germanic peoples didn't die out at all. Their musical traditions carried right on through the Middle Ages. So yes, that means that your average medieval music it would not have been out of place in the Viking Age or earlier. The idea of primitivism is therefore key to understanding the modern idea of heathen music. They wanted it to sound primitive. They wanted it to harken back to the idea of a noble savage. And so they, in a sense, imagined up an entire genre of music and mixed in elements of, quote, primitive musical themes and even those that existed nowhere but imagination and so we're pushed this idea we're pushed it uh, there's no getting around it we are spoon fed this idea it is in the media we consume in the television that we watch the movies that we watch the video games that we play media shapes our understanding, and to be honest, primitivism sells, a realistic portrayal would likely not be seen as primal, primitive enough. So we have this idea being pushed at us from every direction, and they're pushing it as fact. They're pushing it as factual, but it is imagined, it is appropriated even, And here we are today, heathens, overwhelmingly listen to these heathen artists and soak it all up, revel in its primitivism, all while not knowing that it is not what the actual music would have sounded like, not even remotely. And you may be wondering, well, what then would this music have sounded like? Or you may be wondering, how would we know? Now, I'm going to say something here that's true, but it may shock you, and it may seem very strange, but the music of the ancient Germanic peoples has more in common with bluegrass music than it does with this modern heathen music. Bluegrass music is an offshoot of a musical genre called old-time music. That music, in particular, is a descendant of Old English ballad traditions coming straight through, unbroken from the early Middle Ages. Now, I suppose I should also explain old-time music, and that's the name of a genre of music that's found in particular in the Appalachians of North America. It is typically found with stringed instruments. It is balladrical. It takes the form of a ballad-telling tradition. But all of this makes bluegrass music a direct descendant of the manner of music that heathens would have sung. Sure, it's changed over time. Absolutely, it's changed. It's adopted new instruments. It was influenced by African-American musical traditions, such as the use of the banjo, for instance. But overall, overall, it has a remarkable element of preservation to it. And it has been a remarkable preservation of the medieval tradition of just down-to-earth ballad music. And while other descendants of that music exists, and the music of that time also influenced many other musical types, this one in particular preserved what was essentially the core of the musical tradition which was the ballad. To make matters worse, though, this is not something that's even remarkably hidden knowledge, either. Folklorists, for instance, have been crawling all over Appalachia to collect samples of this music for generations, precisely because it is well understood to be a remarkable preservation of some of the oldest varieties of this musical tradition. They preserved it. They preserved it well. In much the same way, they preserved more aspects of older manners of speaking, the language of Appalachia. Their English resembles more the older varieties of English as English has transitioned through the ages. It is preserved more. So, much the same way that they've preserved in the language these antiquated features they've also preserved in their music these antiquated features. There are also folk music traditions that exist in most of the places across Scandinavia and Europe today. And if you can sometimes, and sometimes you can, find artists who are not deliberately trying to primitivize their work, you can find some all right reconstructions some renditions that are quite accurate. And these folk music traditions are often very bright and peppy with melodies that are not at all what people would expect from that time period and that, those people in that place. And that's because, remember, we have this imagined idea. We want to see it as dark and gritty and bloody and violent. But no, it was actually quite colorful and peppy and upbeat. But here we again come to the heart of the issue. People favor their imaginations to reality. Heathens especially, it would seem. So many of us are trying to flee and escape from anything we associate with Western culture that we don't realize that we're going off into the land of imagination. Or we're going off into the land of appropriation. Or we're going off on some weird primitivist racist direction but here's one of those moments where I don't really have a great now what kind of moment I don't expect there to come a great shift in the genre of quote heathen music that ball is rolling too fast and it's basically impossible to stop or even slow it down now I'm very small in this matter and while I'm speaking truth to you here now I don't expect it to make a change. But I'm also not entirely sure it would be right to do so because these people are indeed making enjoyable music in their own way. I'm not telling you to stop listening to it or to stop liking it. But instead, I'm putting this out there to, on an individual level, let you take a moment of introspection and questioning as to why it is that you're listening to it, and even more so question why it is the most prevalent form of music produced in heathenry or for heathenry. Because if we remove the ancientness from it, because it is indeed very modern, a modern attempt to appropriate, co-opt, what the perception of primitiveness is which leans heavily, then, on the ideas of Indianness or other peoples perceived in the Western imagination to be primitive, which, in and of itself, is pretty racist. Even if they are doing it for the purpose of emulation, which, well, if we remove that imagined ancientness of it and the imagined primitivity and the imagined historical nature of it, what then is left? What is left in this? It's not ancient. It's not primitive. It appropriates. It's sort of racist to think of it in the way. So what's left? Are we listening to this truly because it's our jam? Or were we listening to it because we want to connect to something ancient? But removing that, what is left? And a better question still would be, why don't we actually see real reconstructions that actually would better link up with the historical musical traditions? Because those would be fairly ancient. Were they just not primitive sounding enough? Do we have this ingrained idea of what is primitiveness? because i honestly we do and this is a western association then with native americans should we then address our own cultural racism of seeing these people and thinking thoughts of what primitiveness is based off of our understanding of them why do we seem to value the imagined reality over the true reality. Or better yet, we could also consider where are the religious songs done in modern genres? To my knowledge, the only musical genre that even remotely touches the themes on heathenry is metal. But where's the rest of it? Why are we relegated to the music that we are? Would we listen to other heathen artists who weren't acting in line with this trend of primitivism? Is it the heathenness of the writer and composer that matters? Or is it this internal feeling of an attempt to connect with the primitive and primal that we are truly seeking? And if it is that, why are we searching for it within heathenry so hard that we won't accept that the reality of it does not line up with the imagined, that we must twist and force our twisted ideas of primitiveness onto those people. Now, these are thoughts that I've had for a while going through these things and trying to ponder them out for myself. And it's a lot to work through, honestly. And I'm not sure that I've entirely worked through it all for myself either. But to end things out, I will leave you with one final thought. (laughs) And perhaps a chuckle as well. that The next time that you hear Hilum, and their droning, drumming music. Just remember that the ancient heathens would have sooner gotten down at the local hootenanny than listened to any of that. (laughs) I would like to give credit where credit is due. First and foremost to my... Now, 25 amazing patrons who (laughs) have decided to stick with me even though I cover topics that are sometimes contrary to the popular viewpoint in this way. Uh, I do not simply want to cover what people want to hear. Uh, I cover sometimes the hard subjects that make people uncomfortable like this one the entire aspect of imagined heathenry is a journey towards introspection for a heathen to think about more deep thoughts of what it is that we do and why we do them and understand our motivations and so thank you to those 25 amazing patrons you are awesome I would also like to thank the droning and drumming and in-need-of-introspection intro music that I have here. Uh, It is Anton Shiloh's Call of Valhalla, or From There, rather. Uh, And it has a little bit of my horn blowing there at the beginning. But thank you all for sticking with me. If this has caused you to think deep thoughts or to think thoughts that you've never thought before, or made you do some introspection, then maybe you would think about maybe liking, subscribing, sharing. Because if you've thought thoughts, chances are your friend will too. And I hope that you tune in another time and have a wonderful rest of your evening.